0: All right, grab your dessert, grab a drink. We're 10 minutes late, which is on time for us. That was good for us today. I know, right? We do it. We do it. Exactly for that. Before we actually begin, though, I did still want to point out. So this sheet is in the back again, and it says, I would love Phil to briefly interview me on an MTL night. Example questions are to the right. That's back there on the table. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to have Phil briefly interview me. So I already have eight people. That was shocking. I didn't expect that. So there's a new sheet back there. Starting next month, you know, once a month, we're going to pull someone up here, briefly interview them. It could be five to ten minutes. The questions are back there. You can look at them. They're interesting questions. It's good for us to catch a glimpse of other people, their story, who they are, um, their interests, all of that stuff. It's always, always good. So, um, yeah, that's all I gotta say. And then we're gonna get started tonight. So first of all, I wanted to welcome all of you passionate people to More to Life. It's always good to see people's faces. We've been talking about passion for like the last two or three talks. We're gonna kind of wrap that up tonight. But before we go any further, a lot of you guys know I've been doing a lot of weddings. And even when I was DJing weddings, a huge thing that they do at weddings is they give shout outs to people who travel from far away. Right? And so I was like, we want to thank people. And then all the people who are close and live by near kind of get shafted. And then they bring up people and they're like, but you came from Maine, you know? And they like highlight those people. So I was just going to take a moment because I know it's always easier to stay home, right? It's always easier to not participate, to not engage, to not. And so L and James, you guys are always driving over from where? Dylan. Dylan. Yes, Dylan, yeah, okay. So there's the shout out. Now, when I was growing up, it, it really took 15 minutes to get anywhere. It really did. 15, 20 minutes. Where do you want to go? It took that long. And honestly, I mean, Dylan's not that far, but it is, right? (laughs) That's why you guys just got applause. (laughs) So I was just going to point it out tonight. I just wanted to start out that way. Um, Just recognizing that here in the place. Anyway, fun quote up on the board is right over here. I don't know how to say it. It's Italian. So I'm going to butcher it. If any of you have Italian roots, but it says, I'm going to say Ancora Imparo. I have no clue. I had a Sky alumni send me that and say what it translates to is, still I am learning. And this came from Michelangelo at the young age of 85. He is noted as saying that phrase right there, still I am learning. Um, YMTL, I hope you guys showed up because I hope you recognize that it's worth getting together. I'm finding that that's like less and less a thing, that people say it's much easier not to get together. So I hope you know it's worth getting together, that it's okay to drive 15, 20 minutes, and to make the space in your day to have that happen. I also hope, YMTL, that you're still learning, that you're still open to that, that you're on that lifelong journey of being open to the process of saying, I don't have it all figured out. Not sure I ever will. I probably have more questions now than I did then, but that's good. It's good to be on that process and good to be on that path. Most recently, we've been learning about the lifelong quest of discovering passion. I like to do that because you never know, right? You never know. So the lifelong quest of discovering passions. Hopefully it is lifelong. It's never ending. You still get to ask that question. I always make the joke that people never ask me, what I want to be when I grow up anymore. It had like its period in life and then people stopped asking like I had it figured out. So this is a lifelong process of discovering and honestly sometimes rediscovering, right? Sometimes rediscovering the passions that are still in your blood, in your DNA, underneath the surface. Now we said a long time ago Every good story could be summed up like this, and these are not my words, these are Donald Miller's words. He's an author. A character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. That's pretty much every movie you've watched that you liked that happened. Um, Every book that you couldn't put down, that was going on. That sums up the stories. And we related that to kind of passion in the sense of suffering and wants, right? So going back to this, First, we talked about like at the core of passion is suffering. Suffering is always there. It's always a part of the idea of passion. And so we actually talked about taking a timeline and plotting it, and then marking it along the way with these things called pivotal points. And pivotal points happen. And I said, find your highs and lows. And the better they were, the higher you put them. if things happen worse, you put them lower. These pivotal points where, honestly, your life changed. And it could be something huge, it could be something minor, but to you, life changed. It was altered and it was never the same. Never the same. And then I said maybe you should look at some of these low points and you should maybe ask the question has there been a passion born in my life because of suffering? something that I feel that strongly about now. Something that I can rally behind and something I can chase after, after you look at the timeline of your life. And I even said, hey, if you can't find the common thread, maybe tell your story to someone. Sit down and intentionally plot this out and think about it. Share it with someone and see what they say back. A trusted friend. Who knows? So we talked about the suffering. Then we talked about the who's, the wants and the do's. And the who's and the wants and the do's were, hey, Your life is busy. I get it. Maybe you feel like you have zero passions, but maybe you know what you're not passionate about. Maybe you even have roles and responsibilities in your life that you're not paying attention to that you are extremely passionate about. It could be that simple and that ordinary. So I said, maybe throw down the who, and I could say, dad, this is my default one. I don't know if you guys have picked up on that. I always go to this one, I don't know why. Dad, and then I say, what do I want? And we talked about that maybe the wants in our life could be better. Maybe they shouldn't be like big TVs and cars and things, right? The wants in our lives could be better. So if I'm a dad, that's my who, what do I want? And then we took it one step further and we said, all right, after you find that want, what's one thing you could do to step closer and make that want a reality? Right. So it's kind of like this idea. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that frustrated expectations are a big downer in life. Right. I was reading somewhere recently and they were talking about like the level of unhappiness in people's lives. And they attributed frustrated expectations as being one of the number one causes to unhappiness with people. I was trying to help you guys clarify your expectations a little bit around passion little bit about what you want and just one thing you could do that would help you get there. There's another Sky alumni named Cooper Krause whoop, whoop. and he was here at MTL just not too long ago and I was talking about something and he said you know what he's like I'm, I'm addicted to this phrase now that uh, my significant other and I have created and it, he said to be unclear is to be unkind right And it's this whole idea of frustrated expectations. Like, put them out there and be clear about what it is you want, what it is you're going after, and maybe even articulate what those steps could look like to get there. So this is kind of where we've been regarding passions. Here's where we're going. Who's been watching the Olympics? Anyone? Yes. Well, I'm gonna say one last thing, because after we talked about like the ordinary kind of level of, of passions, I mentioned that maybe if you're gonna have a new passion, you're gonna to have to follow your curiosity. You're gonna to have to like try some new things. We were watching the Olympics and we were watching the luge and my boys were like, what is that? And I was like, I, I still really don't know, but it's kind of weird, right? And you watch some of these events and you just think like, how did anybody ever get interested In that thing. And at some point, they had to think, oh my god, maybe I should try that. Like curling, like the luge. I always think of pole vaulting, and I'm always like, how did that guy know he was going to be good at that? Because there had to come this moment where you run with the pole (laughs) for the first time, and you had to decide, like, am I going to go after this or not? So, with that said, sometimes... Following your curiosity, you discover new passions. You sign up for that class, you take a random stab at doing that thing, you sit through an online course that would bore anybody else to death, but because you're curious about it, you stick with it. And maybe that'll help you chase down a new passion. Now the Olympics, whew, we're gonna come back to them. This is where we're going tonight. The talk is titled tonight, The Resistance and the Standing Ovation. And I'm I'm so excited to do this talk. All right, so anyway, the Olympics have been going on. So I'm guessing that some of you know who this person is. Who knows who this person is? Hands, come on. Okay, if you don't, it's cool. It's all right. Perhaps the best Olympic surprise ever, in my opinion, right? 17-year-old Red Gerard from Silverthorne, Colorado, now Goldthorne, Colorado, right? (laughs) Here's this kid who takes the gold in the men's slope style snowboarding. One month ago, I didn't know he existed. I Didn't know his name, didn't know who he was, didn't know he was a human being. Today I'm trying to link my life with his. (laughs) Right? So I'm telling people, yeah, he's from Silverthorne. I probably stood behind him in the lift lines. (laughs) Or at least the grocery you know storylines like something, right? I'm trying to link my life with his. I honestly, I'm just fascinated by like what we do in certain situations, like our preoccupation and fascination and the way we rally for the Olympics. I find it so interesting, and it can stretch beyond that, like sports games, uh, music concerts, art museums, all of these things where we get behind someone because they're good at something, and we watch them achieve a level of greatness or goodness at something, and we just think it's amazing. We love that crap. We chase after it. Now, I think we do it simply because it connects with something inside of us, right? And I even tell students, I used to tell students at Sky Express, this is a grade school program, and we would divide into four corners on four teams. And I would say, look guys, it's not about winning the games tonight, right? It's not about winning the games. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna play hard, we're gonna chase after things, we're gonna do the dumbest games I created. And meanwhile, I want you to make sure you cheer your teammates on, right? And probably the first time I say that, Depending on the kids, they start booing for other teams, right? And so they didn't really get it, so we stop, and then I clarify. No, 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 no. Cheering on your team doesn't mean you're, like, booing the other teams. Cheering for your team means you're saying, go, Tom! Yes! Oh, you're awesome! Go, go, go! Chant or something. Do something. Because it makes a difference. It really does. I don't know if you guys have ever had it happen for you. I mean, it's like that whole thing. You think if you buy the brand new shoes, they'll make you run faster, jump higher, all that kind of stuff. It's not true. But if you have those people screaming your name, it works. It's weird, but it does make a difference. Now we rally for this kind of stuff. And I think it's because deep down, we have some kind of deep desire to be great at something or even good at something. And it can be basic but it's in us. And we wanna be good, we wanna be great at it, and we even want to be recognized for it, I think. And maybe I'm just talking about myself. I would pull out like two high events here for me. I'm just gonna mention them briefly. Like I moved to Summit County and I was working with students a lot and we were, you know, I'm trying to make these 15 minute talks for students that they can like track with and they'll actually engage and care about. And they kept coming back. I was blown away by that, and that was pretty cool. Maybe it was for dodgeball, I don't know, but they did listen. And eventually, there was this point in time right here where I had a student call me up and say, Phil, we wanna know if you'll speak at the high school graduation. And I was like, you're kidding, right? Like, why would you want me to do that? And they're like, no, we want you to do that. I was like, does your principal know? Like, you need to talk to him too. And so sure enough, yeah, all the pieces worked together, and they invited me to speak at this high school graduation. Okay, at that point in time, that was the largest crowd I had ever spoken to. And man, was I nervous. It was crazy off the hook nervous for me. Um, But for me, it was this moment where I actually felt good at something. And I thought pretty soon I was gonna feel really not good at it afterwards, but it was like one of those moments where you're like, wait a second, like I think, hey, that feels really good. And then there was this one here, and it was several years later, and I don't know why it took so long. Like this was, I think this was 2008. I think it was 2008. I think this was 2014, could've been 13. Could've been 2013, 2014. Um, I received a youth mentor award in this community from the Summit Foundation. And it was kind of a surprise that Ann had my parents flown in for it and her parents too. And it was just one of those moments, right? You get to accept an award. And you get to say some stuff and cry in front of a ton of people. <laughs> you know? Because that's just where I always go. But I think at the deep deep levels of your heart, like you want to be good at something. And you want to be kind of valued and admired and respected for it. You want to be able to say like, yeah, I did that. It feels good. You want to have that crowd cheering you on, right? And it could be a crowd of one. It could be a crowd of thousands. It could be whoever, but you, you want that and you're looking for it. Now, have any of you guys read the book or seen the movie Wonder? What? You need to go rent the movie ASAP. And you're gonna cry if you're like me. But we we rented it, and I had already seen it. I went and saw it with my boys, and then we watched it with Ann's sisters, Emily and Liz, they're here tonight, and they bawled. And the movie is so good, and I don't wanna tell you too much about it. And the book is even better. Yes, the book is even better. Because they can't put the book into, like, two hours. You can't do it. But here's what I will say about the movie for you. This boy, August Pullman, who goes by the name Augie, he says in the movie that everyone deserves a standing ovation during their life. And when I heard that, I was like, that would change things. That would really change things if everyone could have a standing ovation during their life, that would have some power. That would pack a punch. It would be like you're in the Olympics and you won the gold and you're recognized for it. And you feel good, maybe even great at something. That could change things. Now, snap back to reality, just for a minute. Just for a minute. Sometimes, no matter how the majority of the crowd is cheering you on, all it takes is one person. And they're the loudest somehow. And you don't feel great. And it doesn't seem like you're good at anything. I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard of the 99 versus the 1. The 99 versus the 1. I did a talk once. And I was comparing the love of God being this huge, unlimited, like, expansive thing, and I was comparing it to a bag of chips. And I was talking about how when you go buy a bag of chips, we're all suckered, right? Because it's inflated, and you think it's full, and you open the bag, and you're like, what just happened? Like. I have like a third of the bag of chips, right? And I kind of, yeah, I let the companies have it a little bit during my talk. And I was loving this talk and I felt really good about it. It was awesome. I was getting head nods. Everybody was clicking and doing this. And afterwards, just like here, you know, you finish a talk and there was a guy in the crowd and he makes his way up and he says, hey, Phil, I just want to introduce myself. So I work for (laughs) Frito-Lay. Right, right, right. And uh, it was one of those moments, you know? And so I was feeling really good because at least 99 people loved that talk. And he kind of did like it too, but he just wanted to tell me why the bags have air in them, (laughs) right? And why they're not ripping us off and that kind of a thing. And it was just enough to kind of be louder than everybody else. Right? Just kind of enough to be louder than everybody else. I was working with a wedding planner. And she had this awesome venue. And I'm telling you what, this this wedding was featured in Brides Magazine. It was amazing, gorgeous from start to finish until I was there and she was a little bit panicked and I saw her and I was like, "What was wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? and she said, um, so the venue was, we thought the venue was supplying the cake and um, the venue's not supplying the cake and so we don't know what we're gonna do and all of you guys are saying, well just call somewhere and get a cake, doesn't matter what kind of cake, just get a cake now. The problem was This was at Piney River Ranch, and I don't know if you've ever been there in Vail, but on a map, you're in Vail, and you're like, oh, I wanna go to Piney River Ranch, and it's like 12 miles, and you're like, cool. That 12 miles takes about like an hour and a half. Like, it's sketchy. And so no one could get a cake there in time, right? So, I'm sitting there with this wedding planner, I'm like, you knocked this out of the park, though. I mean, you've gotta feel good about this, though. I know that this one thing and you guys are thinking, that's a big thing, Phil. <laughs> I see some of the women. They're like, that's pretty huge. But it is. It's like one part. It is. And so sometimes like, it can be really something insignificant or it can feel like really huge. But the 99 versus the 1, it's real. It's a very real thing. And sometimes it's frustrating how something negative can overshadow So much positive. But I was talking with Liz and she did say something about this. Like, it's possible that our brains are actually hardwired that way. Like, they're producing all kinds of science right now about the brain. And one of the things they're saying is, you know, that the brain actually attaches itself to the negative things and all the positive, supportive stuff just kind of slides right off. So that's stupid and pretty much a bummer. Right? But it's good to know that like, you're not alone in this, and that there is a reason maybe that it happens. And I guess why I'm pointing it out tonight is because I think we've got to crank this up. I think we've got, a way to, we've got to find a way to make this crowd louder. And we've got to find a way to turn this one down. And I do want to say just a little bit more about the one, because. It's crazy to me that the 99 can cheer, they can scream, they can jump up to their feet. And that one can be sitting down, not even clapping hands. And that's what you pay attention to. The 99 nudge us forward, right? And they help move us and carry us onto good and great things. And while the one distracts us, sidetracks us, discourages us, and sometimes even stops us dead in our tracks. And that can be like for all sorts of things that we're pursuing. The one is the exact opposite of a cheerleader. The exact opposite. Another movie for you. Man, I'm just giving you guys all kinds of good movies. You guys are gonna know my library by the end of this. The way, way back. Tony's nodding his head. We bought this movie for a bunch of our volunteers a long time ago that we were working with. Um, Sort of a coming of age movie for this individual. But the reason I want to talk about it tonight is because the movie begins and ends the exact same way. This boy is in the far back of an old station wagon with a rear-facing bench, and he's staring out the window. A dream car? A <laughs> dream car, yes, Ann's dream car. Doesn't work here, but it is a dream car. And the movie begins that way and it ends that way. And when it starts, his mother's boyfriend is driving the station wagon and his mother's boyfriend asks him a question. He says, "On a scale of 1 to 10, what are you? His name is Duncan, right? On a scale of 1 to 10, what are you, Duncan?" No response. Silence. "Seriously, how do you see yourself? On a scale of 1 to 10, what are you?" Silence. Pressure's him a little bit more, you know, starts saying things and eventually he says, "I don't know." You don't know how you see yourself, what you think of yourself, what are you? Uh, I guess I'm a, a six, a six. Right after he says he's a six, the guy driving his mom's boyfriend says, I think you're a three. All right, so it's like, incredible to watch first of all and you know that this happens in real life and I'm sorry if it's happened to you. It's crazy to think that the people around us can bring us up or down. It's crazy to think That we have this desire deep within us to be good at something and to be recognized for it. But we also hear around us that we are not good enough, that we cannot be good enough, and that we never will be good enough. And I think that's a really destructive message that we hear a lot, a lot, a lot. And I think it's even more destructive if it's on repeat. And so I want to talk just a little bit about that. I have a funny story here for you now. This is Lincoln. Where's Lincoln? Oh, it's Eva, right? Yeah. Yeah, Eva. Sally knows. Sally. Oh, <laughs> Sally. Oh, both of you. Wait until you hear this story. So I had the joy of taking a field trip to the museum where the kids sleep overnight. And we went to the museum. And before we go to the museum, we go to the zoo and we kill four and a half hours. All right. Four and a half hours. I only had four of them. I had Lincoln and like three other students. And we are at the Grizzly Bears exhibit when all of a sudden I hear Eva say, uh oh. And I'm thinking, what? What's uh-oh? And she's like, my knee is stuck. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's not. And she's like, it's it's stuck, Phil, it's stuck. It's stuck. And so we're trying to get her knee out of here. I took one more picture. This is the one where we said, Eva, well, this was further into after it stuck. And I was like, I have to document this, Eva, Okay, And I was like, look scared. And that's what she did. And then I took this picture too, just to let you know. I I took off her shoe, and she could stretch her leg through. But we could not get her knee out of these steel, what looked like steel bars. I think they're steel. We tried to bend the steel, didn't work, You know, all sorts of things. She was stuck like this for about 15 minutes. And then there was a guy watching us. And he goes, do you want me to go get help? And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's go get help. And so he goes and gets help. And these two guys come back, security at the zoo, and they they try and bend the steel. They try and do everything I've already done. And we tried to move her leg around, and it was really hurting. Um, And then eventually, they get me some ointment, right? And I'm able to pull her pants up to just past her knee here. And then I smeared ointment all over her knee. And then, as we're doing this, she looks at the zoo security and she goes, what's going to happen if we can't get it out this way? <laughs> and they were like, they looked at her and without even blinking. They're like, we're going to cut those bars. And part of me was thinking like, yes let's I want to see that a little bit <laughs> but most of me was thinking please no 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 all right so anyway so after we got the ornament on her leg, it just popped right out just slid right out and then it's kind of funny and we're all laughing and we're all talking and as we're walking away um Emily Hi- uh Emma Hyon was with us and she was like hey Eva do you remember when that happened to you at Elitch's and I was like what and she's like, oh yeah, Eva got her knee stuck at Elitch's too between two poles. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? And then, so I'm, I'm telling you that story. It's going somewhere, I promise. I have one more story to tell you, uh, and it's quick. And you can get it from Storytime too. I posted this one if you've had a chance to listen to this. We're posting some Story Times along with the podcast on iTunes. Walmart. I'm going to try and condense this story as quick as possible. Uh, we were in charge of a couple of Suburbans for a number of years. And these Suburbans, leaders would go to these Suburbans, and they, would, they didn't have as much patience as I had with the Suburban. So they would find a hide-a-key somewhere on the Suburban. They would then try to start the Suburban and take students somewhere in the Suburbans, right? If they turned the key and nothing happened, they would call me. And this happened a lot, right? Early in the morning and just bad periods of time. And they would be like, Phil, Suburban's not starting. And I always knew what it was, you know, because there was a short somewhere in the Suburban. And then like, we had a battery and they were old Suburbans anyway. And then so, but it got to this crazy period where like, I went to Walmart because we're running a nonprofit and we're paying pretty bottom prices for batteries. And so we go to Walmart and I get this battery and I put it in the car. Two months later, it's dead. Get another battery. Two months later, it's dead get another battery. Two months later, that's where we pick up on the story. I get the phone call, Phil, the Suburban won't start. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And I've got all these receipts, right? So I'm armed and ready. And my parents are in town, and that makes it worse to have to, like, go away from my parents to go deal with this. But my dad is up for the adventure, right? (laughs) So we go over to the Suburban, and sure enough, like, I turn the key, it's the battery. What's up? So I'm like, Dad, we're getting this battery, we're going to Walmart. we get to Walmart, I come in there, I stand at the counter and I say, hey, hi. Some poor individual, I didn't know him, they didn't know me, they weren't responsible for this, but they were there that day. And so, I'm like, hey, I would love to have my money back. That's what I would love, I just want my money back. He's like, well, sir, we can't do that. So I don't know if their policy has changed, but it couldn't happen then. And he was, I was like, what? I can't get my money back? I'm like, the battery doesn't work. He's like, well, you can exchange it for a new battery. I'm like, I've done that like three times. This is number four, dude, and we're talking in a period of like eight months. This is wrong. I want my money back. Well, why don't you try our top of the line battery? I look at him, I'm like, dude, look at the receipt. I bought the most expensive thing here. Like, this is the best you've got. He's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, I come up with an idea. How about store credit? Give me store credit. I just want a card. Give me one of those cards with money on it. He's like, we can't do that. I'm like, what can you do? He's like, we can give you a new battery. And so I create this little story for him because I was in rare form that day. I was like, if I came into your store and I bought a sweater and I really liked it and I took it home and I washed it and a sleeve fell off, I would think, huh, that's weird. <laughs> And then I would bring it back to you. And I would say, could I have another sweater? And you'd be like, sure. And I'd take it home, and I'd wear it, and I'd wash it, and the sleeve would fall off again. And I'd be like, wait a second. You know what I'm saying? And then I might try it one more time. But I'm telling you, that fourth time, I'm over it. I don't care what color it is or how cool it looks on me. I'm done with your sweater. He was like, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't even know what I'm doing. But I'm trying to convey an idea here. And so then he's like, well, Do you want another battery? And I'm like, nope. Tell you what, don't want it. I'm like, can you dispose of this old battery for me? He's like, yes. And I'm like, great. Because I'm just telling you right now, no more. I'm done. I'm done. And we start walking away. And my dad's like, Philip, you can get a brand new battery. I'm like, who cares? This thing's going to go dead in two months. And then the guy behind the counter was like, are you sure you don't want it? You could give it to somebody. I'm like, and lose a friend, <laughs> like I don't. I'm I'm not up for this. Like it's not gonna happen. So no more. And we walked out of Walmart together, it was a good moment. All right. I'm telling you these two stories because Wait, here's did you and your dad just walk out. And oh uh, well, we went across the street to Napa, and I I bought a more expensive real, real battery. battery. Yeah, and it worked. And it, worked like uh, it worked longer. The- it worked longer for sure. You never went Not, no, no. I give up pretty easily sometimes. Yeah, I just walk away, hands in the air, shaking my head, you know, like. So it was done. But here's what I want, here's why I'm telling you those stories. I think sometimes there are patterns in life and they repeat. That's why they're called patterns. And those patterns aren't always positive. Sometimes those patterns... Are in fact negative sometimes they're even toxic and I want to be the person to tell you guys this definition by Phil toxic the lie that you're not enough on repeat that's what it is that's my definition of toxic for you guys the lie that you're not enough on repeat we're gonna throw this up here some fill in the blank are toxic And you're gonna know this. Hopefully after tonight, you're gonna pay a little bit more attention to some of those things. But some jobs are toxic. Some people are toxic. Some places are toxic. Some experiences are toxic. Some memories are toxic. Some fill in the blank. You've probably got some other examples that are a lot better toxic number ones in your life toxic number ones that overshadow the crowd that's cheering you on the positive things that are going on in your life that's really what we're kind of talking about tonight and I believe that those patterns need to be stopped we all know toxic we all know toxic I want you to think like of words like what I come up with. I think of empty, zapped, tired, fried, zero life, frustrated, weak, heavy, hurt, and just being down. Down. And I do want to separate this from the suffering we previously discussed. I don't think like toxic patterns are part of your suffering that you're supposed to endure or go through. This is different. This is a whole different level. Sometimes fill in the blank will get better and change. Sometimes it will. But if you're in a place where you know the fill in the blank hasn't gotten better, I wanna let you know that sometimes it won't get better and sometimes it won't change. So the question is, what is your toxic number one? Is it in your head? Is it like some kind of loop? Is it a voice that exists there? some kind of voice inside your head. I did a talk about this a while ago. And what I threw out there was the idea of self-love. I always imagine that voice talking to one of my boys. And if that voice was talking to one of my boys, I would tell it to shut the hell up. I would silence it, I would snuff it out, and I would make sure that I was much louder than that voice so my boys could hear my voice than the voice that was in their head, right? Sometimes we don't love ourselves well enough to tell the voice that kind of thing. But you have to love yourself. And you have to see yourself kind of through that lens when that voice talks to you. View yourself as someone that you love desperately. And hopefully that voice can begin to shift or change a little bit. If it's a memory inside your head, I would encourage you to do this. And this was another talk I gave, but I said, name the memory. I don't know if you guys, any of you were here when I did this talk, but I said, name it, give it a name. Give it a name of someone you don't like. No, but like pick a name that like, you know, isn't in your life. And I'm talking a real name. So when that memory comes up, you don't even really have to talk about the memory. You can just call it by name. I used the name Adam a long time ago. No one here is named Adam, right? Okay, so Adam, and then what I said was, do something to like physically demonstrate the fact that that memory is not going to be loud for you. So you could do a whole host of things. You could write it on a piece of paper, the name Adam, burn the paper, rip it up. The one that I liked was taping it to the bottom of my shoe <laughs> That's right. and walking all over it for the rest of the day until it fell to pieces. Stomping on it, doing whatever you have to do, figuring out a way to actually try and maybe pull that voice, that memory out of your head. Maybe it's outside of your head. Maybe there's a person in your life telling you that you're a three. That just makes me sad. Sometimes it's people that you can create distance, maybe you can set boundaries. Maybe you have to walk away. And that can be a lot harder if it's family. But I would encourage you to find out if there is that kind of toxic one in your life. If it's a person telling you you're a three. You're not. Dang, I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) um maybe if it's outside of your head it's media because this is pretty much like an epidemic with our youth right now and I don't think adults are immune I just don't think you've had the exposure quite at the uh, level of intensity that some of the youth have but you might need to unplug you might need to disconnect you might need to take a break and see how it makes you feel See if the 99 don't get louder and if the 1 gets a bit quieter. You know, you might have to play around with some of this. The other thing I want you to do is maybe you're sitting here and you feel pretty good, pretty great at stuff. You feel like you've been recognized, right? And you're thinking, well, you know, the 99 versus the 1 isn't a big factor for me right now. Great. Be a part of the 99 for someone else right? You have a voice. Put it to use. Who can you applaud? Who can you get up on your feet for and cheer them on? I think we need to be louder about that in our lives. I mean, if we've all got the 99 verses 1 and our brain is hardwired to do that sort of ridiculous thing, like I think we need to be louder for each other. I think we need to take our voice and put it to good use right? And make it work for people. I would say you need the crowd of the 99. You need them to be louder. And I honestly think it makes a difference. It really, really does. It's not easy, but we're talking about your standing ovation. And I think you deserve it. I really do think you deserve it. So, until next time. May you overcome the toxic resistance in your life. May you turn down the noise of the one. And may you listen to the louder crowd of the 99. May you hear their cheers. May you see their faces as they stand to their feet, believing that you can do good things even great things, because you are enough. Amen. That's all I got for you. That's it. So we're going to meet. We have new posters in the back. Well, old posters in the back. We're trying to make new posters, but here's what you need to know. We have March 6th and 20th again, so it's just like this month. 6th and 20th. We'll be back here on the 6th. We're stepping away from the idea of passions entirely now. Um, I don't know if we're going to get political about gun stuff or not. My heart is breaking right now. Um, And, like, I've had so many conversations, even with my son tonight, my father today. Um, It's such a big story, you know? Like, And it's so interesting that we come down on just, like, two sides. When it feels like such a deep story, of like what's happening right now. Um, I wanted to kind of reference that just in the idea of toxic patterns, because there's something going on that we kind of need to kind of grapple with a little bit and where that might be. So I don't know if we'll talk about that next time or not. Maybe we will, maybe we won't, who knows. But I wanted to thank you guys for being here tonight, and I would just encourage you Man, the 99 have it right for you. The 99 have it right for you. I promise. I promise. Grab some more dessert. Grab some coffee. We'll see you on the 6th. All right? All right. We'll see you guys later. (laughs)